Good morning. Breaking news. Civil war. Democrats failed to come together on a deal for that massive trillion dollar infrastructure package. President Biden's agenda hanging in the balance as the infighting within his own party leads to chaos on Capitol Hill. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi vowing they will vote on it today. So what does it mean for you? We're live in Washington with the very latest. Cry for help, a shocking turn in the fight over vaccine and mask mandates in schools. School boards across the country calling on the White House to send federal agents to protect them from angry parents, saying their protests should be treated as domestic terrorism. Breaking overnight, new police body cam footage emerges of Gabby Petito just weeks before she disappeared, describing an argument with Brian Laundry that turned physical. Where did he hit you? Don't, don't worry, just be honest. The FBI carrying out a new search at the Laundry family home where the manhunt stands straight ahead. Fiery display, Hawaii's famed Kilauea volcano spewing molten hot lava for a third straight day. Growing concerns as park officials prepare for big crowds anxious to see the eruption in person. Those stories, plus 100 years in the making, a historic move to return valuable beachfront land in California to the family it was taken from. When you're robbed of your dignity, when you're robbed of your integrity, it sticks with you for a long time. Harry Smith with a Today exclusive just ahead. And another fantastic finish. The Cincinnati Bengals rally late to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars on a last-second field goal. Now, all eyes turning to Tom Brady and a Sunday night showdown against the Patriots, the star quarterback, returning to the field he called home for 20 years. I still have a lot of great friends there, but they know I want to kick their butt this week. We're live at Gillette Stadium ahead of the most anticipated game of the year today, Friday, October 1st, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today on a Friday morning. We got here first of October. Glad you're starting the day and the month with Time us. Time to flip that calendar. We have two big events to bring you guys this morning, including that incredible NFL matchup. It's being billed as, quote, the return. Tom Brady <laughs> back in New England for the very first time facing off against his former team. Chanel is there live. It's the center <laughs> of the sports universe, and she's right there. We'll check in in a moment. Oh, that looks like fun. And then a little later, guys, right outside our studio, we are turning the Plaza Pink. We are kicking off Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We're going to celebrate a real with a real special group of people who've been touched by this disease. And we're also going to turn the lights on, turn the whole town's pink in some towns across the country. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to begin, though, in Washington, that overnight drama. President Biden's top legislative priority hanging in the balance in limbo. Democrats unable to get on the same page when it comes to the hefty price tag to improve the nation's infrastructure. A crucial vote on that put on hold. NBC's Peter Alexander at the White House for us. It was a late night, Peter. Good morning, but no progress. Yeah, Savannah, no, that's exactly right. The Democrats overnight, they dropped plans for that promised vote on a bipartisan infrastructure bill as Democratic leaders came up shy of striking a deal that would unite the feuding factions of their party around a separate, much bigger policy plan. Still, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she says they are making progress, and the White House insists Democrats are closer to an agreement than ever, but clearly they're not there yet. 
No deal this morning after late-night negotiations on the Hill failed to break a logjam between progressive and moderate Democrats. The White House and Democratic leaders from both the House and Senate still trying to hammer out a compromise that would make President Biden's domestic agenda a reality. Despite the delay, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi overnight expressing optimism. We're happy about today. Happy about today. Democrats still debating those two key proposals, a trillion-dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill and a larger plan that would invest trillions more into health care, education, and climate programs. One of the Senate's key swing votes, moderate Joe Manchin, revealing Thursday he would also support the bigger bill if its $3.5 trillion price tag shrank to $1.5 trillion. Let's look at each bill that's on merits. There's a lot of good in both of them. We should be able to, to come to that agreement. Progressives pushing back against that smaller figure and threatening to vote down the infrastructure bill if the larger plan isn't ready to go. It comes as Congress narrowly averted a crisis of its own making, dodging a government shutdown just hours before a midnight deadline, approving funding through early December. President Biden signing the bill into law overnight. It really is uh, exciting to keep government open. <laughs> Still, lawmakers are no closer to resolving another self-inflicted crisis, a potentially catastrophic default on the nation's debt that would happen if Congress does not raise or suspend the country's borrowing limit by October 18th. Republicans so far have refused to help trying to make Democrats pay a political price for raising the debt ceiling on their own, even though it covers past spending approved by both parties. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen delivering this dire warning if Congress fails to act. Our country would likely face a financial crisis and economic recession as a result. Well, Peter, it's a hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second right. situation there. Uh, how do you expect it to play out? Well, so as you heard, Speaker Pelosi said there will be a vote today. You'll remember she also said that yesterday. The White House says that they're going to pick up negotiations first thing this morning. And what Democrats are trying to do right now is to carve out a framework, simply a framework for that giant social policy and climate plan that would satisfy both progressives and moderates. And the stakes are particularly huge for the president, for President Biden. You know, he campaigned on his ability to bring Republicans and Democrats together. And right now, he has to prove he can simply unite his own party. Savannah. Yeah, when they control Washington right now. Peter, thank you very much. Now let's move to the battle against COVID and the fight over vaccine and mask mandates. There are some very shocking images of parents and protesters pushing back. And now school boards from coast to coast are demanding help. They want the White House to take urgent action. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez has more. Cannot believe those images, Gabe. Yeah, that's right, Hoda. But first, some breaking details. Merck is out with new data this morning for a new antiviral pill that you take once you start to show symptoms. The company's data shows a 50% reduction in hospitalizations and deaths. Merck says it plans to file for emergency use authorization as soon as possible. But all this as the battle over vaccine mandates across the country intensifies. Across the country, schools are facing increased violence and threats, stemming in part from people frustrated by mask and vaccine mandates. This morning, the National School Boards Association is calling for federal action, describing the attacks against staff and students as a new form of domestic terrorism. The group calling on the Biden administration to provide federal assistance to local law enforcement agencies to monitor and prevent future threats. Meanwhile, legal challenges to COVID vaccine mandates are mounting. 
A group of New York City teachers is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to block a vaccine requirement for school employees before it's enforced Monday. Separately, New York health care workers are arguing before the state Supreme Court that their mandate is invalid. It's hard to force people to do something that you truly wish they would do voluntarily. Nationwide, while some major companies are firing employees for refusing to get vaccinated, the vast majority of workers are complying. At medical systems in Kansas City, Missouri, Houston, Texas, and North Carolina, less than 1% of employees have lost their jobs. But in Buffalo, New York, nurse Teresa Malik is on unpaid leave and will soon be terminated. I don't for one second think that COVID isn't serious, but I think that people have the right to choose what goes into their body. Now she says she'll work as a traveling nurse in Georgia. What would you say to people who might be watching this and think, look, the vaccines are safe and you're just endangering people? I would say that the vaccines do not prevent transmission. So how am I endangering people? Crystal Michael from Rochester has been a nurse for 31 years. She insists she's not an anti-vaxxer, but... I just don't want to take it right now. It's a personal choice. Do you not trust the FDA? No, not really. Still, she's in the minority. New York's governor says 87% of hospital staff in the state are now fully vaccinated. And now another somber milestone. According to an NBC News count, We've hit 700,000 lives lost to COVID. Hoda. Stunning number. All right, Gabe Gutierrez. Gabe, thank you. In the meantime, if you have young kids on Instagram, you'll want to hear this. More child psychologists are coming forward to urge parents to monitor kids' screen time with the company's own internal research appearing to indicate too much can be harmful to a teen's mental health. And yesterday, a senior executive at Facebook faced a bipartisan grilling on Capitol Hill over it. NBC's Tom Costello joins us with the latest on it. Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning. You know, anger at Facebook has been growing for years. Now there is uh, really agreement between both parties on Capitol Hill, hostility at Facebook and its Instagram app. After that Wall Street Journal report suggested Instagram time, according to Facebook's own research, Instagram time can adversely affect the mental health of teenagers, especially girls. For tens of millions of teenagers, Facebook's Instagram is the center of their social media universe, with many users and influencers racking up millions of followers. But now Instagram is in Congress's crosshairs for its effect on teens' mental health. After the Wall Street Journal reported internal Facebook research found one in three teenage users said Instagram has contributed to their own body image issues, eating disorders, anxiety, and depression. Among teens who'd had suicidal thoughts, 13% of British users and 6% of American users traced those thoughts to Instagram use. In Maine, Katie Smith, who writes for the Scary Mommy website, worries how her three teenagers' self-esteem is affected. Yes, filters are fun and can be fun, but do not compare yourself to filtered images over and over. On Capitol Hill Thursday, Republicans and Democrats were actually united in bipartisan condemnation. We do not trust you with influencing our children. Facebook's head of global safety chose to appear remotely from just down the street. We do this research to improve our product, to make our product better for young people. Insisting far more teens benefit from Instagram's social connections. More teens found the 
Instagram use helpful when they were struggling with these particular issues. But after its research was leaked, Facebook this week paused a plan to roll out Instagram for even younger kids, ages 8 to 12. Though the head of Instagram told Craig this week a younger Instagram could still be rolled out. I still firmly believe that it's a good thing to build a version of Instagram that's designed to be safe for tweens. Instagram is worse than a popularity contest in a high school cafeteria because everyone can immediately see who's the most popular or who's the least popular. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram also say they are working on ways now to nudge teens away from harmful content about anxiety or depression or eating disorder and more towards uplifting or, or positive uh, type of content. Meanwhile, a whistleblower from Facebook is expected to appear before Congress next week. Savannah? It'll be fascinating. Stay on it for us, Tom. Thank you. Now let's move to new developments in the Gabby Petito case as the manhunt for Brian Laundrie intensifies. Overnight, police in Utah released additional body cam footage of the couple following an altercation just weeks before Petito disappeared. NBC's Sam Brock is joining us now with the very latest. Hey, Sam, good morning. Hoda, good morning. On August the 12th, police in Utah pulled over the van with Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie inside after a witness had reported seeing a man hitting a woman that he called 911. Now, in newly released body camera video, Gabby Petito admits to police that their altercation did get physical. Did you get hit in the face? Newly released police body cam video shows more of the moments from an August incident in Utah between Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie. We want to know the truth if he actually hit you. Because, you know. I guess, yeah, but I hit him first. Where did he hit you? Don't, don't worry, just well, be he, honest. He, like, grabbed my face. Just, like, slap your face or what? Well, like, he, like, grabbed me, like, with his nail. And I guess that's why it looks. I definitely have a cut right here. It's like a peel of yeah. touching and burns. The video, taken more than five weeks before Petito was discovered dead near a campground in Bridger Teton National Forest. Moab City Police pulled over the couple's van on August the 12th, separating Petito and Laundry after they said a witness reported seeing a man hit a woman in the face. She gets really worked up, and when she does, she swings and she had her cell phone in her hand, so I was just trying to push her away. Well, to be honest, I definitely hit him first. Where'd you hit him? I slapped him. You, you slapped him first, and then just on his face. And he gets kind of shut up. Police previously released shorter videos of the incidents, but the newly expanded version also includes conversation between officers on the scene. In no way, shape, or form that I can perceive does what happened here—a little slap fight between fiancés who love each other, want to be together. Can I perceive that this is going to digress into the situation where he's going to be a battered man? Right. But then again, I don't have a crystal ball. According to the police report, the responding officer initially described the altercation as a mental emotional health break, not a domestic assault. Earlier this month, the city of Moab, Utah, announced it's launching an independent investigation into the way officers handled that incident. In Florida, FBI agents combed the Laundry family home again Thursday, departing with this bag. An attorney for the Laundry family says the feds picked up personal items belonging to Brian to assist canine teams in their search for him. The lawyer also confirming Brian Laundry purchased a new cell phone just days after returning to Florida without Petito, a phone that is currently in the FBI's possession.
Investigators have not named Laundry as a suspect in Petito's death. As for the city of Moab, they say they have no comment right now on this additional video, guys, or on the status of their investigation into that incident. As for the police department there in Utah, they did not respond to NBC News' request for comment. Hold it back to you. All right, Sam Brock Forrest there in Coral Gable. Sam, thank you. Well, we say good morning to Craig, mm -hmm. and what a sight in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, right? Good morning, Savannah Hoda. Good morning to you as well. So we showed you a little bit of this uh, on Thursday, that fiery display underway on Hawaii's Big Island as one of the world's most active volcanoes erupts once again. And this morning, this morning, park officials are preparing for big crowds eager to check it out in person. NBC National correspondent Miguel Almaguer, who covered the devastating 2018 eruption for us, has the very latest. Miguel, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. This is truly an incredible display of Mother Nature. We saw this three years ago, and now here we go again. Kailua exploding back to life this week. For now, it's the molten hot lava not threatening nearby communities. But as we've seen before, things can quickly change. This morning, towering fountains of fire are shooting five stories high. In a dazzling display, Hawaii's Kilauea volcano suddenly rumbling back to life. Yeah, it's like such a magnificent color and it's so beautiful. This powerful eruption preceded by a swarm of earthquakes. That's amazing. That is amazing, guys. The gushing geysers of lava have not yet oozed over the mouth of the 4,000-foot summit of Kilauea's crater. As the boiling cauldron stews, for now, the contained eruption is safe for the public to view, with thousands expected to flock to Kilauea's panoramic rim. It's already covered the floor of the crater with about two meters of new lava. So it's moving along at a pretty good rate. The last major eruption here in 2018 was the most destructive in modern history on Hawaii's Big Island, and we were there to experience it firsthand. Even at a safe distance from this massive fissure, you can feel its heat and its power. For weeks around the clock, we watched Kilauea spew 1 billion cubic yards of lava, destroying some 700 homes. One of the most active volcanoes in the world, it's just the latest to erupt. In the Canary Islands, this stunning sight as lava cascades into the ocean. And just a few months ago in Iceland, a red river of rushing lava exploded out of the earth. Now it's Hawaii captivating the world. That is like once in a life, it just started. With another mesmerizing display of Mother Nature's destructive power and intense beauty. For now, there is no real threat to homes and neighborhoods on Hawaii's Big Island because the lava remains inside the crater. The gases, though, are creating volcanic smog known as VOG that can be harmful. Craig. All right, Miguel Amelgar for us this morning. Miguel, thank you. Let's clear the air with Al Roker. Yeah. What's shaking? Uh, I'd like some magma. <laughs> anyway, let's show you what's... Little, what? little, little Dr. Evil. Magma. Oh. Anyway, let's show you what we've Wow, got we going. missed that one. <laughs> it's early. What can I say? Uh, we're looking at some strong storms now from Del Rio, Texas, just south of Dallas. Well, these systems are going to be pushing to the east slowly along this frontal system. This stretches from Minnesota all the way into Texas. Heavy rain and flooding possible with this system tomorrow. It's going to be a soggy day for a lot of the Midwest. That rain chances make their way into the lower Mississippi River Valley. And in fact, we've had a flash drought going on, stretching from from Texas all the way into Green Bay for September. Extremely 
really dry. Some of these rainfall amounts are just really infinitesimal. 37 hundredths of an inch of rain in Childress. Austin, less than an inch, a half an inch in Lufkin. Percentage-wise, they've had 3% of what they should normally have in Midland, 12% in Oklahoma City, only a third of what they normally get in Little Rock. The good news is they are going to see some heavier rain. Some places picking up one to three inches of rain, not enough to get rid of the drought, but enough to at least start to alleviate it. And that's your latest weather, guys. Thank you, Thank Al. you, Al. You're welcome. <laughs> we just Googled it. Just ahead, a new chapter in the story of Bruce's Beach. Harry Smith shares an inside look at the historic decision to return valuable land in California to the family it was unfairly taken from nearly 100 years ago. And then all eyes on Tom Brady. We're going to hear from the star quarterback himself as he prepares for Sunday night showdown with the Patriots. He's returning to the field. He called home for 20 years for the very first time. Chanel is there live oh, girl. Gillette Stadium with a few of her closest friends. gun salute. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back now, uh, 7.30, it's a Friday morning, first day of October. Also, by the looks of that, it's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And to market the White House, illuminated in pink overnight. And guess what? We're going to do the same. Right here on our plaza, we're going to begin the month of pink power. Look at our wow. people. We've got some beautiful people, breast cancer survivors and friends of. And we also are sharing a special morning with others who are fighting the disease and have turned that pain into purpose. It's going to be a fun, uh, inspiring morning. Yeah, on the I show love it today. when we do this. We do yeah. it every year when we paint the plaza pink. Mm -hmm. Well, now we're, we're painting the plaza pink. We're painting some towns That's pink. Right. That's yeah, right. That's right. going to be good. All over America. Let's get to your 7.30 headlines here on this Friday morning. And we'll start with the latest from North Korea, a second weapons test in the past three days there. According to state media, North Korea fired a newly developed anti-aircraft missile yesterday. That launch coming just two days after the country tested a new hypersonic missile. The recent series of weapons tests come amid stalled talks with the U.S. and South Korea. The Biden administration has said it has no hostile intent toward North Korea and has called on Pyongyang to accept its offers of renewed talks. It has been nearly four, four months since somebody has won Powerball's top prize, and that can only mean one thing. Time to get your tickets, because tomorrow night's jackpot, oh, just worth $620 million. So if somebody wins, it'll be the sixth highest Powerball jackpot ever. The pot's been growing since early June. The last time someone hit the, bat, the big prize was back then. And by the way, if you do win, and you take the one lump sum payment, it is worth 
$446 million, if you're mm -hmm. doing the math. Might not see me here on Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, let's turn to the NFL for a moment. And another primetime matchup that came down to the final play. Gets no better than that, right? The wow. Bengals. So here's the thing. The Bengals didn't score a single point in the first half, but they roared back in the second, tying things up with Jacksonville with about nine minutes to go. A few minutes later, when they got the ball back, they would complete the comeback on that 35-yard field goal by Evan McPherson as time runs out. The Bengals win it 24-21. They move on to 3-1 and one of the season. Uh, the Jags have yet to win a game, but the NFL's amazing season continues. It's yeah. insane, yeah. right? It's well, like every yeah. other game coming down to the final yeah. play. Speaking of, th this one's one a lot of folks have had circled mm -hmm. on their calendar as soon as the schedule was announced. Tom Brady's big return to New England. Oh, yes. Tom's Buccaneers taking on the Pats Sunday night right here on NBC, marking the first time that Brady's going to face his old team since leaving after 20 years in New England and winning Yet another Super Bowl down in Tampa Bay last year. So who's right in the middle of it? Oh, Chanel Jones. She's made her way to Gillette Stadium where anticipation, <laughs> well, it's reaching a fever pitch. Hey, Chanel, morning. Good morning. It is cold out here this morning. I guess it's football season. It has been said you can't go home again, but Tom Brady is doing just that, playing here in Gillette Stadium as the visitor for the first time. Fans here eager to see their longtime hero on this field for perhaps the last time. Tom Brady is back, arguably the greatest quarterback ever, returning for the first time to the place where he built his legendary career. Brady led the New England Patriots for two decades, helping the franchise win six Super Bowls. Last season, the three-time MVP found a new home in Tampa, winning another Super Bowl in his first season in Florida. Let's go! Celebrations in Tampa, including that boat parade and a trophy toss. And a less than sturdy Brady soaking in the championship. Back to business this season. This matchup finds Brady and former Patriot tight end Rob Gronkowski back in Gillette Stadium. It'll be great to see everyone after the game, but up until game, I'm focused on trying to go win a football game. A raspy voice Brady speaking to reporters after practice on Thursday. I still have a lot of great friends there, but they know I want to kick their butt this week. Brady and Gronk preparing to face their former coach, Bill Belichick. Look forward to the opportunity and the challenge and uh, look forward to Sunday night. Number 12 will face off against his heir apparent rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. With only one win under his belt, Jones and the Pats hope to rebuild to their former glory. Still, all eyes will be on Brady, who put the Pats on the map. He'll get a little emotional inside, and then he'll be ready to kick some butt. And for a generation of Pats fans who grew up watching him, it will be a strange sort of homecoming. This will be the first time I ever root against him when the game starts, but I am Tom Brady through and through. Batman could leave Gotham, they still love Batman. <laughs> so I have no, no problem, no quarrels with that. I think he would proceed very well. Tickets for the big matchup were selling for over $1,300 on StubHub. Adding to the anticipation, Brady is just 68 yards away from breaking Drew Brees' all-time passing record. If he does on Sunday, it will be yet another stunning career highlight in front of the faithful fans here in New England. Another special moment with the quarterback they loved and lost.
And guys, just to put this into perspective, this grabbed my attention. The average resale ticket to Sunday's game is more expensive than any World Series game in Boston history and any NBA Finals game in Boston history for a week four regular season game. I was joking with the crew earlier this morning. Guys, you know it's big when they have a title for the game. They're calling it the return. The and everybody return. here is really excited. You know, I think our hearts needed something like this. Everybody I talked to yesterday was smiling. The mood is high. This is what our hearts needed after a tough year and a so half. So how do people know? feel about Brady, yeah. Chanel? Are they like, we love him, he, you know, he can, he can always come home again, or are they like I will mad? tell you something, yes. So, I mean, I talked to people from the airport, driving to the hotel, we went out to a restaurant yesterday. Can I tell you something? Every single person I talked with yesterday, every single person said they were excited to see him back. Uh, Listen, he's given the city six championships. Mm -hmm. It's all love for him. Now, granted, when the game exactly. starts, yeah. it's all about the competition. Yeah, but I seriously didn't find anybody who had a negative word to say uh, about it's, Tom Brady. It's going to be interesting to see the reception that he gets. Like, does I, he does he yeah. get the standing ovation? I bet, I bet he does. Definitely. Maybe in the, maybe the beginning, but then at halftime. At halftime, maybe not. It depends on who's winning. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're going to check right, in with you Chanel. in just a bit. Don't don't go far, my friend. We're going to get some ideas All for right, the game day menu okay. on Sunday. And oh, by the way, in case you hadn't heard, you can catch Tom Brady's return to New England Sunday night. NBC, the return, as it's been dubbed. Coverage begins at 7 o'clock Eastern. Coming up next, Bruce's Beach, a valuable piece of land on the California coast, finally being returned to the family it was taken from nearly 100 years ago. Harry Smith visited the site, and he joins us from Los Angeles with that story. Coming up right after this. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Back now, 742, with the start of a special NBC News series, The Great Divide, exploring the racial uh, wealth gap in America. Well, this morning, restitution nearly a century in the making after the signing of a historic piece of legislation in California. It returned a piece of beachfront property in Los Angeles to descendants of the family it was unfairly taken from. NBC's Harry Smith uh, joins us from Los Angeles with more on all of it. And Harry, a lot of folks are saying this could, uh, this could be quite the precedent that's been set there. Good morning, buddy. Isn't that the truth? I want to take you back to the early 1900s. An African-American couple comes to Los Angeles, goes to Manhattan Beach, buys a piece of oceanfront property for $1,200, starts a successful business, an Eden for black Americans in Los Angeles, only to have that property ripped out of their hands. The allure of the sandy beaches of Southern California is undeniable perhaps especially so for African-Americans living in the very segregated Los Angeles of the 1920s. So where are we now? Right now we're in front of the lifeguard station, which is on top of the property that my family used to own. This is it right here? This is it. Here was lodging, a cafe, and a dance hall, a black paradise developed by Anthony Bruce's great-great-grandparents, Willa and Charles Bruce. They were doing quite well for themselves, and unfortunately, uh, the community here, they thought, saw it as a threat. 
It was a time in America when people were proud of their prejudices, and the Ku Klux Klan seemed omnipresent. They were members of the police department, they were elected officials, so they were all over the place. Dr. Allison Rose Jefferson is an historian and author. She says the California Klan used laws instead of lynchings as a means of controlling their black neighbors. The Manhattan Beach residents that instituted this eminent domain proceeding in the 20s to take the land away from the Afri African-American families there, it was done because of pure anti-black racism and white supremacist economic sabotage. Manhattan Beach claimed it needed the land for a park, paid the Bruces and others a pittance. And while there is a park there now, the land sat vacant for more than 30 years. When you're robbed of your dignity, when you're robbed of your integrity, when you're robbed of your decent basic rights as a human being and mistreated like that, I mean, it sticks with you for a long time. The Bruces were unable to buy any other land in Manhattan Beach and eventually settled in Florida. The resort was demolished. The person that was hurt the most from this was my grandfather, Bernard Bruce, um, because he was actually there. He knew Charles and Willa as his grandparents. And um, for him, I think it was extreme. He felt the prejudice. Thursday, though, on the very land the Bruce family was run off of, they were welcomed back. <laughs> Through a unanimous act of the California legislature, the land is being returned to them a bold act of reparation. I'm absolutely convinced this will be catalytic. It's once the mind's stretched, it never goes back to its original form. We're changing the dynamic of the debate in terms of righting wrongs. For now, the Bruce family wants to rent the lifeguard station back to the county. The property, though, likely worth millions of dollars. It's uh, reminiscent for me. But does the Bruce family want to come back to Manhattan Beach, a place that is more than 99% white? And my thing is, like, I believe if Anthony Bruce or anybody else in the Bruce family comes back here, we're going to see the same exact thing. I don't think it's changed, Harry. I think it's still here, and that's why we're not rushing to set up shop again. Chief Dwayne Yellowfeather Shepherd is part of the Bruce family tree. How does the quote go, the arc of history bends toward justice? justice. Does this feel like justice? Yes. We're getting to justice. This is the first step of what we have been demanding, and that was the restoration of the land to our family. Uh, from here, we want restitution from the city of Manhattan Beach for the loss of that generational wealth, and we want punitive damages for them colluding with the Ku Klux Klan to disenfranchise our family uh, of their human rights. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. We have just begun to fight. So interesting to be there yesterday, and there was a sense of celebration, but at the same time, a, a real melancholy people from the Bruce family thinking about what could have been and what should have been. Yeah, so many Bruce families all over this country, Harry Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, Harry, thank you. It's a fantastic story. We're going to have much more from our series, The Great Divide, coming up tonight on NBC Nightly News. In the meantime, it's 747. How about another check of the weather? Alan? You know, hard to believe. We're still talking about Hurricane Sam. It is still out there in the Atlantic, a major hurricane. Uh, so we're going to be watching that. We also got Tropical Storm Victor out there. Right now, Sam is going to stay to the east of Bermuda, but come close enough that they've got tropical storm warnings. And it's going to cause rip current problems from the Bahamas all the way up the east coast to New England. So we're going to watch that carefully. 
unseasonably warm weather. The summer hanging on again. One more day. Chicago, you're going to be 84 degrees, 81 in Louisville, Detroit, 75 anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees above average. Tomorrow, that warmth makes its way all the way down to Atlanta, Roanoke, back to Bismarck. But by the weekend, temperatures very fall-like. They're going to be spectacular from Burlington, Providence with temperatures upper 60s, low 80s in Washington, D.C., 70s in Cleveland, and upper 70s down in Nashville. And that's your latest weather. All right, right Al, thank you. And coming up, the all-star lineup picked to provide the halftime entertainment during the Super Bowl. Oh, it's a heck of a show. Mm. Little Mary oh, J. Mary J. Mary J. Blige is one of them. Carson's got everything you need to know on Pop Star. But first, these messages. We're back. We say hello to Carson. Hello. hello. Welcome back. Another member of our family. Uh, Kristen Welker's wrapping up attorney leave, but first she's going to join us live oh. with her. Oh. John. Oh, there she is. Good morning, Marco. Oh. Look at this Good shirt. Morning. Look at this oh. shirt. Oh. 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 Oh.